Obviously, I'm a nerd. If you all read my blog, I had that post about how I don't like calling all computer people nerds. I remember that. I just had feelings one day, and so I wrote it out. TLDR, give us a TLDR. Computers are everywhere, and so stop saying that when people like computers that they're nerds, because no matter how you feel about the word nerd, it's still making computers inaccessible to people by making them not want to to be associated with it. And well, or that's not the other cool. way around is like is not like cool if, because computers are cool. Yeah, and like yeah, if you if you say like people these computers are nerdy, and then people say that well, I'm not nerdy, so I can't do that. Exactly, that's what I'm getting at. And so like when you use that word, you're you're discouraging people from trying it, and also that also that there's a kind of like a nerd culture um, that is associated with a lot of things, and I don't like tying that to computers because I don't think you should have to like star trek in order to like computers i mean i happen to i like but yeah yeah it always gets awkward at the same time at the same time like like there's a lot of like um you know people who don't have a lot of you know such as people who haven't seen a lot of movies Javon. um (laughs) like it's not really nice to to shut people out of conversations just because they don't have a certain cultural context is Javon's movie watching below average Jaron never gets my movie references. <laughs> like, ever. I have short-term memory, so even if I did watch the movie... Yeah. <laughs> but I do have the Star Trek problem, because it's not that I don't like Star Trek or Star Wars. I just haven't... I just don't watch them or know about them, because I have not given them the time. And then it's always weird, like... Because a lot of references go back to that stuff. It's just like, well, I don't know about that, so I must not be a real nerd. <laughs> So. I think that's true of like anything though, because like for instance, I went to a uh, store to buy running shoes on Saturday, and the salesperson was like, "What kind of style is your run? Like, let me wa- watch you run." And like they were looking for like how my foot planted on the ground, and right, the pronation, the, supination thing. Yeah, which which is which is valid and healthy to get shoes that fit you properly. Um, sure. But then, but then they're asking like, <laughs> what what style am I running for? Am I going for for distance or endurance? And like, what races do I have coming up? And I was like, I just want to go for a jog, man. Uh, that's actually that is pretty much. I mean, maybe they're just trying to seem fancy. But when I I bought running shoes before I moved to New York, and that is literally how I I put it. I was just like, let's be honest. <laughs> I, I wore the running shoes that I've been wearing for the last six years here. <laughs> I liked them. I'm not going to buy new shoes every six months. That's just not going to happen. I don't really believe in that. Give me some running shoes that I can run in that are probably a little bit cute so I could, you know, wear them in public and not feel bad about it. And then, you know, then we're cool. And he was like, all right. <laughs> Have either of you looked at this pose is what running? I looked at what? Pose? Like pose yeah so there's an argument that goes that we run incorrectly and part of it is because we get these shoes that have big cushions so when you run you like strike with your heel yes i have read born to run (laughs) okay uh (laughs) but it's really common to run and you basically land on your heel and then you get these shoes that have a big cushion to to absorb that shock uh but that's actually actually really terrible with i didn't buy some shoes that had that for that reason they were like super cushy on the on the back. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, your your foot is basically this shock absorbing machine. Uh, so if you wear like a minimalist shoe, like you'll you'll tend and learn to like this land is the with your of toes. These yeah. I mean, I 
It makes I take sense. that with lots of salt. I mean, I run in Philadelphia. Like, I'm going to wear shoes, not Well, size. you should wear Well, no, I don't mean literally barefoot, something. although people people do that, but yeah, not in Philadelphia. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> I'm going to wear shoes that are going to protect me from the stuff that's on the ground here. Um, in other places, you don't really have to as much. Um, but like the jungle. But also, no, I was thinking, like, Kentucky. But, you know, whatever. Um, bugs and... But no, uh, I mean, the other thing is that that with that, my issue with that theory is that, you know, except for the the whole thing about, you know, yeah, you have bones and stuff and, you know, you have all these, even like some ridiculous number of muscles in your feet. Um, like they're actually, that's why there are, you know, that's why the doctors of feet don't even, you know, they have their own school <laughs> and you just become just that kind of doctor. Um Exactly, um, because it's really complicated. In this, you know, born to run thing, you don't start doing that until you have spent all of your life wearing shoes. And so you have puny, puny weakling feet. And if you go from like taking your puny weakling feet and demanding that they take all this load, you're probably going to fuck yourself up. No, definitely. I mean, when people start wearing minimalist shoes, it's recommended that you to start you at know, like half an hour a day. But yeah, I think way, people, like, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, just wearing it. Yeah. Then don't yeah. don't put them on and go running. There was this big study that like, you know, apparently showed how much of a fraud like Vibrams were and there's this lawsuit and they had to pay all this money. But I mean, the thing so about the, that study was that it was not, you know, not following the recommended instructions. Like they basically put Vibrams on people and had them run four miles. And, you know, yeah. your your feet are weak because you aren't used to, you know, using them. You're used to having all the support. I use a standing desk. Sometimes I stand barefoot for like hours at a time on a cushion pad. So I'm pretty on my way there. How is your standing desk? You haven't. It's awesome. <laughs> it has buttons. I can push it. It goes up and down. I feel like we already did this. I know, but I forgot. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. Um, it has a short-term memory issue and a long-term memory issue. No, but I really like it. I, I work for seven, eight hours at home, and uh, I stand for usually five and a half to six of them. Uh, very rarely, I'll, I'll sit down. Like If I've just been like out for lunch, like running errands, I'm tired, I'll sit down. Or if I've just worked out, um, or if I'm like on a meeting, I will sit down. But usually all day I'm standing and it's been pretty going pretty well. Do you find any differences in your productivity or concentration standing? Um, I feel like I'm a little more concentrated because I'm less lethargic, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I feel more engaged in the problem. And also uh, I will more readily like walk away from the computer for two minutes to think about something and just kind of like ponder, uh, which helps a lot with tough problems. Um, which could be a, a counterpoint to not pairing full time anymore, but but yeah, I, I really I really like standing. Highly recommend it if you especially work from home and you control your own uh, your desk situation. I think it's definitely worth the investment. My next step is to get a new keyboard, which I was uh, at Comfort yesterday, and uh, uh, Len had a split keyboard. What was that called? That was going to be my pick today. I got the Ergodox. <laughs> So, yeah, it's it's a split keyboard. You normally have to build it yourself. Uh, I am you not at that level. Yeah, I'm not that level of of keyboard nerd yet, where I know the difference between all the different switches, and I have a huge preference and enough to want to solder it myself. But <laughs> uh, I've heard people raving about this keyboard, so I bought one I on eBay. Justin might have picked this. I picked a different keyboard. Uh, which it I also was also a kit. Is yes. kit though. Um, but that's pretty cool. I think it'd be kind of cool to put. I mean, although if you didn't have a keyboard, 
like then it wouldn't be really fun to build your keyboard could you be like just is a thing where like i don't like cooking when i'm hungry <laughs> uh, i need a keyboard right now if you have a laptop yeah. you always have a keyboard right i yeah. know i guess that that sounds kind of weird but it is a habit i have i'll sometimes actually like my my preferred world is sometimes I order takeout and then cook like lunches for the week <laughs> because I'm not cooking while I'm hungry. Wait, so can so you my not, food tastes a lot better because you, I'm not enraged. Can you not order an Ergodox from the website? Uh, I think it's it's just a kit. It, like, yeah, yeah, it's just like this open source. Like the firmware itself is open source, and the how, hardware. how much does an assembled one go for roughly? Um. Well, also I went to the website and it says the drop has ended. Want to bring it back? After two hundred requests, we'll contact the vendor. Guess how many requests they have? Two hundred. Come on, three thousand four hundred and seventy-five. <laughs> Man, there's a big market for keyboards. <laughs> there's a big market for keyboards. So, so I watched. People Len. really want this keyboard. Len was like lean back. Len has really good eyesight, apparently, but he was like lean back in his chair. And he has tiny, tiny text. <clears throat> and his arm was arms were completely spread out on either side of his laptop, and he was just looked like he was lounging in a lazy boy typing. <laughs> I took a picture and put it on Twitter. It, it is very comfortable. Not, I feel really cramped now when I have to use my laptop keyboard. Although the, the one thing that keeps messing me up is the thumb, the, like the the keys, the spacebar. It's split on both sides, but the default configuration is not to have uh, both of them be space. So they're like two big keys on the right, like kind of where your space bar is. And one is space and one is enter. And the corresponding ones on the left, uh, actually I forget what the default ones were, but I changed it. Or one was backspace and then I changed the other one to escape because I needed escape to be a little more handy in Vim. But it, it broke my brain to not use my pinky for enter and to think that my right thumb and my left thumb aren't doing the exact same thing. So huh. I've had terrible chat experiences because I try to hit backspace and instead I hit enter. It's not what I want to do. How long did it take you to not like throw your keyboard at the window every two seconds? Oh, my first day was ridiculous. I couldn't even like type a word. It was so bad because there's so many things in Vim that I've configured that my brain doesn't process what keys I'm hitting. They just process like the, the cord. So it was just total rewiring where I want to do something. I'm like, where are these keys now? What what new cord do I have to press to make this happen? And it was it was bad. So I, I put a, uh, after talking to you about that, I put a put an order in for an Atreus keyboard kit, which is not split. It's one, one piece, um, but it is a compact ergonomic keyboard uh and it also has the the layers um so i don't know they used to have a an option to buy an assembled kit um but i don't see that anymore and when you place an order they're just like hey we'll email you with more information about how to pay for it so i'm awaiting my email yeah so uh the layers thing there's a, a button i can press and then all the keys have new mappings so you basically go down a layer so I can press this layer and then my home row, uh, they basically turn into the actual arrow keys, like if I'm not in Vim. Uh, and then the number keys turn into the function keys. Uh, and then I just press you know, that layer key again to go back up a layer. And I got blank keycaps because you know everything's configurable, so um, I didn't always change what the keys are. I wonder if this is better for... Vim users versus Emacs users because they're already courting anyway. Javon, how's your Emacs going? I was going to say experiment, but I didn't want to uh, sound derogatory towards it. It's an experiment still, you know. Uh, it's good. Still using evil mode, so there's really no 
No difference. I remember we paired, or one time you had open Emacs on my computer, and then it had gotten in a weird state. And I was like, I don't know how to fix it now. <laughs> remember that? Yes. Uh, so now, if that happens, I know what to do, or I know my way around now. So I nice. Can, I can do things. Do you use it full time, or do you still switch back to Vim for certain things, or? I still switch back to Vim. Like if I'm, in, so I've been using the GUI Emacs, um, and if I'm in the terminal and I really need to edit something really quickly, I'll just open Vim. Is that because Emacs takes so long to open? No, it's. it's <laughs> Finding files, I find, is kind of tedious. Like if I need oh, there's not like a control P. Yeah, well, there's control P, but like the way I'm using their control P is by project, so it's not. Or you can go in your home directory and control P or desktop, but you have to like CD there. You can't like. It doesn't seem like people open Emacs in a folder. It's like Emacs is running. Emacs is their entire shell. Yeah, and there's. Seeding and finding and yeah, the best thing that I've had so far with it is um, here's a plugin called Robe that you can jump to Ruby methods um, really reliably because it runs the code in a Ruby process and then it reloads it. What's it called Robe? Yeah, Robe. I've I've so I've been doing some Go development recently, <clears throat> and when you're in uh. Using the the plugin uh, Vimgo by F A T I H on GitHub, um, when I'm on a function definition or a uh, or like a, a struct or or almost anything, you can press G D go to definition and it will take you like instantly in any package that it that it comes from like to the definition of, of that 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 function or, or that struct uh, and that's been really really handy and then I, I really miss it when I get back to to Ruby. And I try to do it in Ruby, and it, it just goes to like maybe a similar named thing in the same file. Um, yeah, I've, I've been looking for some way to do that in Ruby. That would be really helpful. All the ID listeners are uh, laughing at you right now. Yeah, they're like, yeah, I did that for my whole life. And the editor still loading. Hey, yo. Yeah, I wanted to use Rubymind for that very reason, but it's just always way too slow for me. Does it do that? It does a lot of that. Especially in Rails, it will look at your schema file, so all of your active record models will be auto-completed, which is one of my least favorite things about uh, Rails and active record. Every time I want to know what my model has, I need to open up schema RB. I did just learn if you're using Rails.vim, uh, you could just do colon R, and it will, from the model, go right to that table in the schema RB. Yeah, it's kind of... Uh... I worked on a project once that had this gem that would, if you ran a rate task, it would comment on all the models with all the fields. Um, but it, it got out of sync all the time. Like, we didn't have it as part of CI or anything. Um, that was kind of helpful. But yeah, I've, I've been using that VimRails plugin too to go to the scheme and look at what, what fields are in there. Yeah, surprise. It's actually helpful to know what methods your object has. <laughs> yeah. I've actually I've been working on uh, something right now where it's, complicated enough that i can't keep everything in my head at least i haven't like learned all of it yet so for the <laughs> you first had time, like nine models i saw your erd yeah but it, it was a very uh yeah my first time like printing out an erd and actually using it to do development because I've, I've never needed to before but there's a lot of abstractions i'm working with right now that are not mapping directly to what, what's in my head so that's been really helpful too i tried to do that but we had 66 tables and it was like too small to read 
Well, to, to be clear, the nine was like I filtered it just on what I was actually working on, and like uh, we, have, we have much many more than nine. <laughs> it's my my first active record uh, backed project in a while. I'm used to just objects with having methods on them, and they do things that I expect. Active record is really weird. <laughs> no, I really don't like. I, I loved it at first, but I I don't like the fact that it just magically has whatever's in your database. I'd rather see it in the model. I like ORMs like Mongoid, where you actually just put the definition in one place, and that one place is your model. Yeah, that is really cool. Actually, one project I'm on, we just switched to schema.sql, which makes my old workflow even worse. Um, we wrote some Postgres functions, uh, so we had to switch to schema.sql instead of schema.rb. So now uh, if I want to know what my database huh. has, I need to go over to Postgres and do like slash D to see the actual definition of the table. I didn't know that was a thing. Slash D in the schema? Uh, so Postgres command line client uh, slash D will slash D in table will be basically like MySQL's describe table. But you can still read the schema. I can't read that. <laughs> it just says create table and has a bunch of different fields. Yeah, it's not as legible. I mean, slash like describe table is just better. I mean, isn't schema just a dump of describe tables? Yeah, but it's it's less legible. <laughs> And you can't do colon R to get there like you can with if you're using schema RB in, in Railsvim. Mm. So what did you put in the database? Like what kind of function? Wrote one function to do the diff of months. So if I want to know how many months old something is, uh, the SQL to write that is really gross. And I didn't want that in a model. Uh, actually, let me clarify. The SQL to do that in Postgres specifically is really gross. So is it... Is it only one function, or are there many others? No, it's only one so far. So is it worth it to lose? Because <laughs> uh, you don't sound too psyched about it, but then you're like... Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to make that decision just based on my preference for like this schema file. Okay. And we did use that month function in like a few places, so that would be really gross, illegible model code. I'm reading the source for Robe, and it doesn't seem too hard. Like, if you can just get something loaded and then call method.sourceLocation on it, and then you can get the source location and go right to it. Um, well, Interestingly enough, Robe is a fork of uh, Technomancy's Zosima, which Technomancy makes the Atreus keyboard, Phil Hagelberg. <laughs> He's a big Emacs person. He helped me with some stuff in IRC. Um but it's it, wouldn't it be similar to the CIDR plugin for Vim, so you can copy how CIDR works and then connect. What is to, CIDR? Sorry, not CIDR. Um, Fireplace. What is Fireplace? Fireplace for Vim enclosure connects you to a running REPL, right? Oh yeah, but Closure works completely differently from how Ruby works. I mean, maybe you can do that. I don't know. Yeah, but can you just look at the source and kind of replicate like how to just port Closure to Ruby? How to um, talk to a running process from Vim? Yeah, yeah. I think the hard part is actually like getting Ruby to know where something comes from without actually running that code. Mm. But Rove is running the code, from what I r remember. But I mean, let's say you had a method that was like, you know, go to GitHub and destroy my projects, right? And you want to find out where something is defined in that method, like one of the things it's calling. You wouldn't want to actually call that function or that method to to know where that thing comes from, right? Yeah, I don't think they're calling it. I think they're just um, parsing it. There, it's just loaded in a Ruby process, so you you know, like if you 
like it knows about context. So you know, if you use C tags, like sometimes it won't go to the right. Method. I tried using C tags in Ruby with them before. I don't. I might be using them wrong, but C tags seem like a really bad UX. Like it only sh- shows you in all the plugins I've tried, they only show you the tags for the current file you're in, which seems largely useless to me. Um, and I, I had a really hard time trying to get it to f- like list tags for the entire project and go to a definition of a tag. Do you still use C tags? No, on a bigger project, it's useless. <laughs> for really basic Rails app, it's awesome. But so the description of Rube is Rube is a code assistance tool that uses a Ruby REPL subprocess with your application of gemcode loaded to provide information about loaded classes and modules. Seems like a fun side project for somebody with more time than me. Agreed. Pam, how was the uh, conclusion of your Recurse Center adventures? I mean, when we last recorded, it was kind of concluded. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I still haven't, I want to write, I think I already made this joke last time, but the, my post that I'm going to write that I haven't written at all about like the whole experience as a whole is going to be called my return statement. I was going to say like you, like you tail call, like pop the stack. Yeah. There's a lot of fun to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's, uh, so I haven't written that yet. I did write a tutorial on Doku on DigitalOcean because uh, I use that, and I think Doku is really cool. Um, it's like it's one of those things where I'm like, why didn't someone tell me about this before? Um, I'm also, I mean, I know that you're you're really into Docker, right, Justin? What? No. Are you, Giovanna's? No. I I used to be. I haven't done anything with it. I was pretty meh about it, but Doku is actually awesome. It seems like a really yeah. good idea to be able to like take your application or service and package it up in a way that you can ship it anywhere. I mean, that's that's generally a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the um, the eternal like the well the new question of are developers becoming more system engineers? Where and is that? well, By wasn't like... that we we posted that, but we haven't never talked about it on the podcast, Len posted a thing about like our developers becoming system engineers but like as we that doesn't sound as like we move I'd more post. <laughs> I might post it but like because we're just like wiring things totally together did. now yeah yeah Len maybe, it about Rails, maybe Justin posted it saying that Len thinks that <laughs> <laughs> there's some sort of relationship here I think it but sounds um it sounds sounds like something that could theoretically happen <laughs> but uh but yeah, so I haven't I haven't written about it. It was really good. I'm sad to not be there, but like you know, it was a good thing to do. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot of stuff. Made a lot of cool stuff. Um, I'm also hopefully gonna work on. Um, there was someone there who I paired with him a few times on iOS, uh, and he has a project that he that he's still working on that we recently paired on, and so I'm gonna try and get set up on it so that I have like a project to continue working on. Um, I don't know if it's cool to talk about what the project is, but it's an iOS project. So, uh, in any case, it's, I, I feel like I really enjoy working on projects that are, I learn a lot about a new system by working on something that already exists and adding to it. Um, because then I kind of like see how things are, you know, quote, supposed to be. And so in iOS, uh, that's really nice rather than, you know, starting and doing something really hacky and learning a bad habit. So it's nice to work with someone who knows what they're doing. Was there a pizza party? What pizza party? Was there like a closing pizza party? There oh. was a picnic. Cool. Uh, we went 
There was no pizza. No, it was not a pizza. There was hummus <laughs> and wine, but... Was it in a park or was it in the side? No, it was at a Prospect Park, which oh, is nice. a big park in Brooklyn. Is your iOS project uh, iOS or Apple Watch? Or both? iOS. Okay. Although we probably could build an... Actually, I could contribute that to the project if I can ever get it running. Um, the simulator so. or the project? Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, collaborating with people on iOS projects is really painful. Because <laughs> of the project XML plist thing? Yeah, that's one of them. And then there's just like always, there's always user data like somewhere in there. And they, it, so you, it's just gross. So it's like, oh, you can't run this because reasons. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know why I can't run this yet. Um, I think one of it is that I probably, like, in order to do this, because in order to do iOS development, you really kind of need a license. And I don't have a license yet. But I think I would, I think I'll, I'll shell out for a license to do iOS. I didn't want to shell out for Mac um, when I wrote the Mac app because they're separate. So it would be $100 for each of them. So to get the Apple developer license. Right. Yeah, do any of you have, have that? You have I, one? or did I, used, have one? I used to have one and then I let it expire. Because you didn't do anything with it? No, I have an app in the App Store. Uh, did you what? make at least $100 on it? Uh, man, that's going to be... I'll have to do some math. I think it makes like $2 a month in ads. <laughs> so maybe, maybe right now it might have made 50 So bucks. one day... <laughs> one day I will never break even $100 a year. <laughs> Oh, wait, well, is it not in the store because you can only have it in the store if you have an account? Or is it still in the store? Oh, I think it's still in the store. Or maybe, maybe I already Like, can you still make money off of it, but you can never release an update? <laughs> no, it must still be... I must still have a, an iOS license then. It's not through my Apple ID, so I don't actually know. I have but a you make project. the $2? Uh, I make it with a friend that... That makes those $2? <laughs> he makes the $2 and gives me a dollar. That's actually that that was the only thing that when I was like, hey, can I work on the project? He was like, but what if one day it makes money? And I'm like, I don't think we really have to worry about that. <laughs> but if we do, like, I will trust you to be an honorable person. And like, if you make a, a lot of money to give me some, <laughs> if I contribute significantly, but I doubt that I will. And so I don't think it's a problem. This is my speech. Yeah, it's always tough. I would like to have more professional part money well oh. that too but like side projects that I yeah i guess i've um i don't know i haven't really done it yeah i haven't really done that but uh i've just heard friends tell me stories about it going wrong which isn't a very good vote of confidence <laughs> so like i don't know that would be an i would be interested in seeing someone talk about that about um getting started with partnerships because i mean we're we're so much there's so many things like i want to do but i don't want to do them by myself because I, I i'm a big believer in that we're stronger together than as individuals i mean sure i guess there's like some magical people who do everything by themselves but i don't think that that's really true i think that that just usually means that there's another person helping them that's less visible in most cases where i've actually looked into it that's usually what it is but like getting started with professional partnerships and and how to how to protect each other, you know, so that if things do go bad, that it's all good. I don't know. So so this particular one, we incorporated ourselves, um, and we were each fifty percent partners, and then we went to a lawyer to get a, I guess like a privacy policy or whatever, like straightened out. Uh, yes. 
And uh, he was really upset that we did 50-50 because he said that, like, that ruins a lot of partnerships because uh, nobody has a deciding vote. Ooh, like, every, I have a story be, about this. Everything has to be unanimous, and then so you can get into deadlock a lot of time. Here's an awesome story about this. So there's a Russian baths in New York. <laughs> that is Russian what? Russian baths. Baths? So like, yeah, like a, like a spitz, like a sauna. Oh, okay. And it's owned by these guys who hate each other. <laughs> And they each, they alternate weeks and you have to, if you get like a, a pass, uh, you have to go on, you buy like, like, you know, if you like, you know, like a yoga thing, if you like have like a, you know, a five visit pass or whatever, you, um, you uh, have to go on that person's week. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking up the name because I think it's, who is this? It's like this, these two guys, uh, Wait, so Boris, only... and, Boris and David. And so if you get admission tickets and gift cards from one person, you can only go on the week that that's their week. And there's a calendar so you can know whose week is whose. So this is what happens if you split things in half. (laughs) (laughs) They just don't want to see each other. I don't even know. Like, apparently this is like some dramatic thing, but but it's pretty funny because... because I went while I was in New York and there was someone who was saying that he was a regular and that he, he just has like a ton of passes now because he's, you know, accidentally gone on a Boris week when he meant to go to a David week. And so he just has a lot of a lot of passes to the baths. Wow. So it's pretty funny. But yeah, so that's what can happen if you don't. I don't know. But see, I guess that's why it'd be useful. Like that would be a, a useful thing for you all to have heard. Like, especially, like, your friend who controls the money, it would have been made a lot of sense just to give him 51%. Like, yeah. if he's if he has the keys, just give him the 51%. Or if he has the keys, give you the 51%. Like, go one way or the other. Well, it's more so like, like... Be like, all right, I'm making the vote. <laughs> and I'm, I may be biased here, but it's more like the, uh, the programming required to make everything work is uh, a lot larger than... I think the time required to do everything else. So it's kind of like by default, he gets everything else. Like hey, you deal with the money, you deal with the marketing and he's good at some of that oh, stuff too. He's not, but a, he's not a programmer. No, no. So he, he's a, a designer, uh, by, uh, by hobby, like, uh, not, not very often. Um, but it was his idea and, uh, he's and by trade. He's a financial analyst. So he, he is good with money. So, um, so he does all that stuff and I do the, the Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> In the past, I did the PHP. Yeah. Well, I hope that someone that would give me. I haven't. I don't think I've been to bar camp the last two years. That would be something I would like someone to do at bar camp. I have not either. I have to go this year. I don't know. I just. I. I usually it comes up when I've just like been doing too many things the last two years, and I'm just taking taking the time off. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe this year we can we can triumphantly return. I still think we should do like a live episode one day. <laughs> that sounds terrible. People do it all the time. I think it wouldn't be terrible. I think people would like it a lot. Where? I don't like at bar camp or something. At like can an we, event. Can we just do it at Bear Burger? <laughs> that would be pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> just get megaphones and sit in like some rubbing station and talk to all the commuters. Okay. Put out a hat for money. In a direction that's not. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to think where I could get a uh, a stage. That's normal. Where where I've seen people talking, you know, microphone in public. It's usually in Spurban Station. <laughs> so do we want to do picks? Sure. 
I said that, but I I broke the rule by I don't have one yet. <laughs> Someone else can go. Oh wait, well, I don't really have one because I was gonna pick Ergodox. You can, I stole it. You can still you can still pick Ergodox. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna pick Doku. Um because i think it's really cool and it was just a surprise cool thing that someone was like yeah like you know because i was like ah i really want to deploy really fast and like that's all i really care about and i'm gonna sign up for digital ocean and get some credit and do this thing and they were like you should use doku because it will make your life easier so uh i'm gonna shamelessly also link to my tutorial about doku on digital ocean because it was it's really easy to get started um, it was a little tricky to set up MongoDB on there, um, but that so that would be a future tutorial. It wasn't even that tricky. It was just the instructions are missing a few steps, so you just had to figure that out. So I searched for Ogo in the repo, and the only error that comes back is the Kinesis. Oh, so we so we haven't picked. There you go. So yeah. So Len, pick your do your pick. Um, yeah, so uh, if you have a day to lose to not being able to type, <laughs> uh, I'd pick the Ergodox. Which you do because you should focus on, you know, not ruining yourself. Yeah. Uh, part of the reason I did want to move to a keyboard like this is because my typing was steadily getting worse. I have a lot of bad habits because of kind of the position I use for some of my little, you know, uh, crab claw chords that I make. And my typing was becoming like less uh, the way you're supposed to do things. Like I would always use the wrong finger for the B key. So I used to use like my right index finger for B. Uh, and now I can no longer do that. Uh, but yeah, the, I have not gotten to these uh, the deep level people can upload like custom firmware where uh, a tap is a different than a uh, press. So if you think about your command key, you never tap command. So you can actually make it so that if you tap it, it's actually a different key as opposed to pressing it and pressing another key. So I'm excited to get to that level of, of keyboard nerdiness. Um, and you can buy them on Mastrop or you can buy them pre-made on eBay, which is what I did. Jervon, do you have a pick? I do. Um... My music pick is a rapper called Logic. Uh, he's pretty good with words. Um, it's not the typical rap. It's, it's good stuff. Does he rap about uh, constraint programming? You know, I could tweet at him and maybe ask him to do that. Um, and then my programming pick is the Closure Reddit. So I'm not, I don't use Reddit as much as other people. But I've been trying to <clears throat> go on there some more. and It seems like there's always some useful stuff on there. There's usually a new... Closerous ask anything thread. Um, that's pretty good. Those are my picks. So I think last week I picked uh, 3D Robotics uh, Solo, which is a quadcopter that has all kinds of cool features. And then uh, I came across a website for this one called Lily Camera, L I L Y dot camera. This is the website. I didn't, I didn't know camera was a TLD, but apparently it is. So a bunch of people sent this to me, uh, including Kevin McAllister. Uh, on Twitter, um, and it is a quadcopter that you can pre-order for five hundred dollars. That comes out. Uh, I think it ships February twenty sixteen, <clears throat> but it has a lot of really cool features. It comes with a a puck that you that you keep on you, uh, and then you take the quadcopter. It folds. All the rotors fold in, and it's like really portable. You can like put it in a backpack. You throw it up in the air. And it will automatically turn on and start hovering and will start following you and taking video of you. It's like a so, Pokemon. 
<laughs> I've never played Pokemon, but I guess that makes sense. Um, so they have like videos of people doing it while they're running or while they're uh, skiing or snowboarding. You can like throw it in the air and it will follow you and, and videotape you doing an activity. Um, or you can have it uh, circle you and, and take video. Um, it's waterproof. So if you're like canoeing or kayaking, you can just like throw it into the water and it will take off. Uh, it seems really cool. It seems almost too good to be true uh, for that price. Although the pre-order price is actually... It's five hundred dollars, and then uh, after the pre-order, it becomes a thousand dollars. So maybe they're just like eating some of the costs to get a lot of market share or something. I don't know, um, but it seems really cool. Uh, Lily dot camera, L I L Y. Cool. So show notes are at Turing cool slash fifty. Follow us on Twitter at Turing cool, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.